are to be waiting for the master's return. We are to be anxiously waiting at the door, on the alert, and ready for him to come at any time, day or night. We also discovered that if we are ready to serve him when he returns, instead of us serving him, he will serve us. Well, not only did that fact surprise us, it apparently surprised Peter. Picking up our study in Luke chapter 12, verse 41, we actually find him interrupting Jesus. And Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? What he heard Jesus say really excited him. Jesus was teaching that the master's servants would be greatly rewarded when the master returned. And Peter took what Jesus was saying personally. Obviously, he was talking about the reward his disciples would someday receive. But then in a moment of magnanimity, Peter asked if the promised reward might not also be available to everyone else who would serve the master. Well, Jesus didn't directly respond to Peter's question, but he did go on to make it clear that the reward would be available to all of the master's stewards, even though not all would receive it. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Now we don't use the term steward that often today, but a steward is someone who is charged with the responsibility of caring for someone else's possessions. In Jesus' day, and therefore in the parable, he was the head slave, the one given responsibility over the other slaves. And as we noted, Jesus didn't directly respond to Peter's question. He didn't even acknowledge it. But what appears to be a rhetorical question may have actually been directed to Peter. Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Without excluding anyone or limiting the application of the parable, Jesus may have been looking at Peter when he asked the question, Are you a sensible And faithful steward, Peter. You know, rather than worrying about who else might be eligible to receive the reward, Peter's primary concern should have been simply that he be found faithful as a steward. Are you being faithful with the responsibilities I've given to you? Now, the responsibility given to the steward in the parable was that of overseeing the master's servants. So again, while not excluding other slaves who are faithfully serving the master in his absence, 
and anticipating a reward when the master returns, the primary focus of Jesus' remarks were apparently addressed to those who would be overseers in the master's household. As an apostle, Peter would one day be an overseer of the church. But he also referred to himself as a fellow elder when exhorting elders in 1 Peter to be careful while exercising oversight in the church. So I don't think we would be taking undue liberties with the text to suggest that what Jesus has to say here finds application with regard to those who would serve as elders, overseers in the church today. Those the master has put in charge of his servants. And notice that it is the master who puts the faithful and sensible steward in charge of his servants. The servants didn't have a popularity contest. They didn't vote to determine who should be in charge. And neither do we. We want Christ to make that choice. But he is obviously not here in the flesh today. So how do we determine his choices for overseers? How do we know who he wants to serve as elders of Chatham Christian Church? I think we can determine which stewards Christ once put in charge of a church by looking at the qualifications the Apostle Paul listed for us in 1 Timothy and Titus. In 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7, we read, An overseer, then, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, I love that word, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. If a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach. And the snare of the devil. If a man meets those qualifications, Christ would choose him to serve as an elder. As long as he has a desire to do the work. And Paul does preface the qualifications with this statement about desire. He says, it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work. He desires to do. So if a man has a willingness, even a desire, to do the work of an overseer, and he meets the qualifications outlined in Scripture, we should be able to acknowledge that Christ has chosen him to serve as an elder. And that we will be doing again next month in our annual affirmation of the elders. What then is the primary responsibility of those the master puts in charge of his servants? In the parable, it was not to lord it over them 
or to be a task taskmaster, forcing the other servants to do the master's will, is to give the servants their rations at the proper time. It's to make sure they receive what they need so they can be strong and able to do the master's will. And what is it that the servants need more than anything else to be able to do the master's will? It's knowledge of his will. They need to be fed on God's word regularly at the proper time. And that is the primary responsibility of overseers in the church. When the elders in Jerusalem were getting overwhelmed with meeting the physical needs of the widows, they had the church select other servants who could meet that need. And they did so so they could devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. I'm convinced that my primary responsibility and the primary responsibility of our elders is to make certain that God's word is set before you at the proper times, that you are given adequate opportunities to partake of healthy biblical meals that have been carefully prepared. I like the way the Apostle Paul describes himself in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required that stewards be found trustworthy. Now, the mysteries of God are those things that man would never be able to discern on his own. Things that would remain a mystery if God had not revealed them. And I view myself as a steward of those mysteries. My job is to share with you what God has revealed. And the elders not only make certain that what is taught here is in keeping with careful exposition of God's Word, they join me in actually teaching it. They all have active teaching roles in our church as teachers in Sunday school, leaders of Bible studies, and in the thoughts that precede the Lord's Supper. And they're not the only ones, the only servants to do so. We have many in our church who are faithful stewards of God's Word, who oversee a class or a youth group or a Bible study and give to those under their care their rations at the proper time. And it's our desire that the Master finds us so doing when He comes. Our heart's desire is that one day we will hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The sad reality, however, is that not all who claim to be servants of the master will be found faithful when he comes. The parable continues. 
But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be long time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. You know, the temptation to disobey is strongest when we think no one is watching. I'm sure we've all seen that in our children, our grandchildren. When they get too quiet in the other room, we start to worry. And most of us have probably experienced it firsthand in ourselves while on vacation or on a business trip where no one knows us. When alone in a hotel, that porn channel has an appeal it would never have in our home, with a wife and kids in the room. Well, that weakness of character becomes obvious in the lives of some servants when they think the master isn't looking or won't be soon returning. You know, some cannot handle authority without direct supervision. They develop an illegitimate sense of independence and start thinking they are the ultimate authority when they're left in charge. Some stewards forget they have a master and misuse the authority they have been given over other servants. In the parable, they were given the responsibility to feed those under their care, but they started beating them. Instead, now while we seldom see leaders in the church beating those under their care, we do find some shepherds who become oppressors of the flock, who lord it over others and have no regard for the needs or feelings of those in their care. You know, if overseers are to provide for the needs of the master's household, they must remain sensitive to their needs. Children let you know when they're hungry and need to be fed. As you just noticed, Levi can express himself very well. And faithful stewards will listen to the voice of those under their care. But like parents who realize that they cannot give their kids everything they want, faithful stewards cannot do everything everyone wants. They're under instructions from the master and must listen to his voice first and foremost. Some get the idea that if leaders don't listen or don't do what they want, they're not listening. But a steward can become unfaithful to his master by listening too much to others. The faithful steward will listen to the concerns of those under his care. But he must consider them in light of the instructions left by the master and act accordingly. 
And faithful stewards don't do that. They assume they have been given a free hand to do whatever they want. With no regard for fellow slaves or for the master. And some will even use their position for personal indulgence as a means for gluttony or drunkenness. Instead of using the master's resources for the benefit of all, they'll use it for themselves. I'm sure we've all heard of religious leaders who have used their position as a ticket to an excessively lavish lifestyle or to a life of illegitimate and perverted pleasures. Well, we're not the only one who noticed. The master knows what's going on. And he will deal with it when he comes. And he will come when those unfaithful stewards least expect it. He may come for them individually at death, or he may come for them on the day of his return. But whenever he comes, he will judge them harshly for what they have done. He will cut them in pieces and assign them to a place with unbelievers. Yes, some who like to think of themselves as servants of the Lord will find themselves condemned to hell. And those who know better will be judged even more harshly, more severely than those who don't. Let's read on. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will shall receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him they will ask all the more. There's a basic principle of accountability at work here. Everyone will be held accountable for what they know. Now, that does not mean that ignorance of the law will excuse someone from having to obey it. It doesn't work in society, and it doesn't work with God. Romans makes it clear that God has seen to it that every man has within himself a basic understanding of the nature of God and of right and wrong. No one will be able to say on judgment day that they did not know there is a God. Or that at least some of the things they did were wrong. And without the forgiveness that comes through faith in Christ, all will therefore be condemned for disobeying what they knew to be God's will. All will be fairly judged on the basis of what they know, but without a Savior, all will come up short. Those who knew the specifics of God's will, however, and didn't obey it, will be judged even more harshly 
than those who didn't know the details. Without repentance and faith in Christ, both will end up in hell. But somehow those who had a clearer understanding of God's will will be punished even more severely than those who didn't. Now, I really don't know how God will provide degrees of punishment in hell. Any more than I understand how he will provide degrees of reward in heaven. But the scriptures do indicate that that will be the case. Maybe they will simply have a clear understanding of the glories they are missing and therefore be totally overwhelmed by sorrow. Knowing what you could have had and let go of it makes that loss even greater than if you never knew what you could have had. All I know for sure is that with privilege comes responsibility. And more will be expected from those to whom much is given. That's why James offered this warning to those who would be teachers of God's word. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of our teachers resign immediately. (laughs) And that's not to suggest that we should avoid accepting the responsibilities God has placed before us as stewards. You know, we can't follow my grandma's tongue-in-cheek philosophy. The more I know, the more I have to do, and I'm an idiot. That doesn't work. God will hold us accountable for doing all that he has entrusted and equipped us to do as stewards. If we know God's will, we must act upon it. We must surrender the master.